Springs here. But is it? Because, um, well, I see a bunch of white stuff everywhere. But that's not going to stop me from bringing you another episode of What the Pack. Episode 19. This little podcast is growing up. We fit the toddler, the teens, this is it. 20's next. It's kind of funny, I'm like, 21's the, the, the number. For some, some don't care. I always wanted to be 20, because it's like a nice round number. 21 just seemed off. Anyway, um, I realized something from last week's that I'll cover this week, because I put it in the show notes, but I never even talked about music. Also, hit up some documentaries again, tell you about those. The OA Season 2, I haven't watched it yet, but that's out. Pretty excited about that, and uh, I don't know. It'll be some ramblings and so on and so forth, so uh, just sit back, relax, take it all in, or, you know, do what you do when you listen to me. That sounded a bit strange. I'll uh, not edit that out. So here we go. Let's jump into it. So I realized after uh, episode 18 aired that uh, I hadn't mentioned some music that I had checked out. And I uh, was like, well, oops, and you know, thanks for not calling me out on it. But I want to talk about Tesla's new album, Shock. It's amazing. Tesla never seems to disappoint me. Hopefully it never disappoints you, the fans. I mean, there are some amazing albums by them and not so great. But overall, I always like what they put out. And this album is somewhat back to the roots of, of the beginning and a little bit of now because Phil Collin from Def Leppard is producing and you can feel some leopardness to it, which is pretty cool. So it's it's great for me because I love Tesla. I've always loved Tesla in concert. They were amazing. Sorry, I've been eating pizza. And uh, I saw them with uh, Poison and Poison was phenomenal too. This was back in the uh, Open Up Say Ah tour. I forget what it's called. But anyway, that was like 1989. Um, nice to still have Tesla around. A solid band, and uh, yeah, you know, there you go. That's my quick review of Tesla's Shock album. Every track on it is solid. <sighs> I don't know why. Burps start happening. Anyway. Do you want my head to explode? Another band I checked out, and this happened while rolling through YouTube. Rolling, scrolling, whatever you call it. Uh, Animal Drive. They were doing a cover of Warren's Uncle Tom's Cabin, and I I was shocked. I wasn't knowing what to expect from a band called Animal Drive. So after a little more research, they're from Croatia. Croatia. Actually, I could say that, and it just got stuck. Anyway, uh, I I checked out their own album of not covers, and uh, amazing. Rock and roll just the way I like it, and it's kind of cool. They're from Croatia. Like, listening to them, I wouldn't have got that. Which I find so cool in rock and roll. Oftentimes, you can't even tell where a band's from. And then you hear them in an interview, and you're like, whoa. Animal Drive, the name of the album, came out in 2018, is Bite. The cover, Uncle Tom's Cabin, is on uh, Back to the Roots EP that's coming out. Which also looks like they just released, which I'll probably go listen to after this podcast, Monkey Business from Skid Row. Which I'm guessing... It's probably going to be pretty good. 
So hopefully I corrected my errors from last podcast and you're not hanging wondering, well, he mentioned Tesla and Animal Drive in the show notes, but no information. What's he think? What are you thinking? That's what you get with What the Pat. Because sometimes I don't even know what I'm thinking. I just start rambling on. Because, you know, I don't have a sidekick. So I'm talking to myself, working things out in my brain, then translating it here, and then it goes into your brain, and then you have to translate it. So I try to make it as easy as possible. But sometimes I get that it's hard to translate me. Even though the words I'm speaking sound familiar, they may be not familiar. Do you know how hard it is to record a podcast while eating pizza and your Chinese crested, whom of which is named Odin, uh, insists that you give him said pizza, keeps kind of uh, smacking me with his paw. He's like, hey, I'm over here. I know you're there, Odin. And if you ever want to see photos of uh, Odin and all his glory, he is on my website, patrickdanforth.com. Go to dogs, our dogs, Odin's there. You can check him out. He doesn't mind some fan support. He is pretty cute. I don't care what people say. Love my little hairless dog. Love all my dogs. Anyway, sidetrack note. Steven and Jonathan were talking about roller derby a couple episodes back on Discord Accords. There's a shout out. Shout out! And uh, they were talking about roller derby and not getting it. So I'm pretty sure, I don't know if they knew, but I shoot for the Thousand Islands uh, Battlefield Bettys. Here, where I live, we'll just say Watertown, New York. Anyway, Thousand Islands region. And uh, I've been shooting these girls off and on for about 10 years now. At first, they were Black River Rollers, and now uh, that disbanded and started a new kick-ass. You had that eye of the tiger, man, the itch. I'm telling you, kick-ass roller derby team. These ladies rock. So I do... All the local events as far as uh, local bouts for them and uh, headshots, team shots and all that. And uh, people tend to think of it as a joke, but it's actually a very serious sport. They raise all the money themselves. They have to get their own insurance. They pay for all their gear. They pay for the officials and everything. So it's not like NFL and all that where, you know, you get millions of dollars and, and get to do this. And they they pour everything into this. Sweat, blood, tears, bruises. Um, and it's it's a fairly brutal sport at times. And it's so cool seeing them grow as a team. Because last year, un-fucking-defeated, bitches. That's right. That was their first season as TIBB, and they freaking killed it. This season just got started, and uh, they did lose their first bout, but barely, barely lost it. A lot of the girls are new, and... Like I said, seeing them grow and everything is really cool. So it's a pretty cool sport. If you don't understand it, it can be a little difficult to get. And just wanted to pass along a little shout out to everybody who does listen. Kelly, Juan, Tolly, Marissa, Kari, Steven, Jonathan, and Kevin. And if I missed anybody, let me know. Be like, Pat, you forgot me. I listen. And uh, if you want to help me out too go to iTunes and rate me and stuff that helps move up the chain and, and gain more listeners and stuff because it's really hard for me to figure out stats and stuff they don't make this easy so I'm really <laughs> at any given time have no idea how many people are listening oh and April I do believe you listen too every now and then when you can yeah if I missed you let me know because I don't like missing people that's not it's not very nice so you know 
You could be a short-time listener, long-time caller, or a long-time listener, first-time caller. You know how that goes. Back in the radio days, be like, and uh, there you go. Then we slide over to, uh, what's wrong with diddle, Jonathan? could be used in so many good ways. Like, I'm about to diddle this waffle. Well, maybe you're right. Diddle, that does, it, no, I don't know. Jonathan and Stephen were talking about uh, Diddle on Discord Accords, and and Stephen's got no trouble saying it. Jonathan has trouble with the word. But now that I used it in that context... That's dumb as fuck. I don't think you want to diddle a waffle. I think it's more like you just want to put some butter and syrup on that thing and eat it. And Jonathan, I hope whoever you got the uh, Ace Instapot blender for, they love it. My wife did soup in it the other day. Sort of burnt the bottom a little bit, but other than that, she really enjoyed the soup. We're, we're still on the fence whether or not we really like it. I think it has, being that it's first gen, has a ways to go, but a lot of potential in my feeling on that. Uh, but glad I could help out with a gift decision. Uh, you know, because Steven doesn't like the multi-tool, so, you know, he, he wouldn't enjoy it. He would just want a blender to blend. He wouldn't want it to to do stuff for him like make soup right yeah i do I, I plan on making some soup in it how about a rosie update rosie the shark as you know i've talked about in previous episodes if you don't recall just start at episode one and catch up to now but she is a great white shark that has been preserved got forgotten has now been remembered and put on display here pretty soon but they're going through the process they've gotten all the formaldehyde out now they're rehydrating her and I believe using a glycerin treatment, which they said acts like a Botox. So it's going to pull the wrinkles out of her and get her looking good. I'm pretty curious to see what she's going to look like in the end because that seems pretty exciting. But there's all kinds of videos on YouTube if you want to check out Rosie the Shark. Just just search that and you'll find all kinds of cool stuff. It's an interesting story that I've been following and trying to keep you up to date on and everything. Now let's jump into some TV and movie talk. Of course, I don't think it's really... Is it talk if I'm just talking to you, but you don't talk back to me? Which is funny, because Stephen and Jonathan were talking about um, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez in their recent Discord Accords podcast, which, check them out. And no, I uh, don't sponsor them. They sponsor me, and I'm still waiting on my check. As Stephen's talking about Desperado and Selma Hayek, I was like, he had the timelines mixed up and it's so funny when you're listening because you're yelling out no it's this way it came like it happened like this so yeah desperado before from dusk till dawn because that helped i I don't think he could have done from dusk till dawn without desperado which if you haven't seen desperado it's it's one of my top 10 movies of all time along with salt and sea which they talked about that's in there too and the same guy who did salt and sea wrote it uh wrote uh murder by numbers you can skip that heap and pile of garbage i'm not sure how that got more theater time than the salton sea because the salton sea is just incredible so check that out but back to tv and stuff that we're talking about uh, motley cruz movie I don't, is it really motley cruz movie or was it someone uh, anyway who cares the movie's called the dirt 
and I thought I wanted to see it. But then after hearing everybody talk about it and everything, I just got to thinking, nah, for some reason I don't want to see it now. I guess <laughs> I, I care about Motley Crue. My favorite album, which people will be like, shut up, is the one with John Karabi. That, to me, was a solid album. His vocals were amazing, and it just was all well done. N- not knocking on Vince Neil or anything, but to me, that was my best crew album. Uh, plus, I'm a Karabi fan, so that helps too. And and I did like Vince Neil's solo album, the first one, not the second so much. And I tell you titles, but it don't matter. You could look it up. It's the beauty of the internet. As you're listening, you'd be like, hey, what, two solo albums? Anyway... I don't really feel like seeing the dirt now because I, I think I would rather see documentary form versus people playing the crew because it just, the crew still seems young in years to me, even though they're older. So it just seems weird to be doing that. Like Bohemian Rhapsody as a movie, it was okay, but the acting was pretty good and I enjoyed the movie. And being that it's been so long since, you know, Freddie Mercury and all that, it, it worked. Just my feelings. But now if you watch The Dirt, let me know what you thought. Some other things I did watch, because I found a list of 17 odd, make you feel weird documentary list. And I started hunting them down. And then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I just watched <laughs> a bunch of these. Some of them are short, so they're not like episodic. The first one I watched was Tabloid. This is crazy. This, uh, it was the 70s, I believe. Anyway, this gal starts dating this Mormon guy, and then it just gets out of hand and crazy. You you have to watch it. With a name like Tabloid, that right there, you should be like, I got to see this. So it's it's pretty crazy weird what happens and some other stuff that's tied into it. So that that's a documentary I recommend. The other one, this is just batshit crazy and, and really kind of pissed me off, too, in some ways. The woman who wasn't there. Truly, she wasn't there. This is about a gal who said she was in the towers when they went down and that she survived. And she played along as a survivor and that her fiancé husband was in the other tower and that he died and that she was a victim, too, just like everybody else. And then you get to see... Uh, what happens as you watch it, of course, with the other survivors who become her friend and what happens and everything. So literally, honestly, she wasn't in the towers and played along. And that's pretty fucked up to do to people. To say you're a survivor of something that catastrophic and play on people's emotions and, and have them feel sorry for you because I don't feel one bit sorry for you and whatever's going on with you in your life is bullshit. It was, that one's on Amazon Prime. Uh, tabloids on Hulu. This one of the three had to have been my favorite, The Imposter. A 14-year-old boy comes up missing. This dude takes his place as saying he he is the boy so many years later, hence the word imposter. So you, I don't want to give too much away. It's really That was my favorite out of three. It's really interesting. And that one, oh, where did I see that? I can't remember. But I'll put a link to IMDb and maybe you can do some search and find it. I can't remember where I saw that. TV-wise, Punisher, ah, it seems to have come to a snail's crawl. I don't, there's parts of it that I enjoy, but I think I'm on episode six now. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably going to pick up. I mean, it's got some good moments and everything. And 
Maybe I'm just sad that it's the final season. Or is it? We shall see. And of course, Walking Dead, last episode, they're doing great. I'm happy. I'm feeling it again. I'm, I'm enjoying the show and looking forward to more. Two more episodes, I believe, till the till we have to wait, you know, till next season. And then, like I said, Fear of the Walking Dead should be popping up here shortly. So hopefully that gets on track and, and starts picking up and getting steam and getting better, too. Still watching Happen Leonard finish second season and uh, going to start the third season. It's an interesting show. It's on Netflix. It's... I call it a filler show when I'm out of shows that I want to watch and I don't want to look for something new. So I always have a show on deck that can kind of fill the time or fill the void when I'm not scrubbing YouTube for some videos and stuff like that. Because I want Hap and Leonard to be these, you know, you're a hero in a show. You want them to be the hero. They're kind of the hero, but everything seems normal, not too crazy. And not to keep you know, slapping Discord Accords around, but they were saying, uh, Pat, it's okay. Get your rant flag out and rant. I do have a bit, a beef. A biff. <laughs> I don't have a biff. I got a beef. I'm a big Google guy. I like how Google integrates everything and makes it easier and stuff. I know they do some bad things that people are like, well, you shouldn't do that. And they're doing this and on and on. Google just makes my life easier. So that's the toss-up. Isn't that how it goes? Because like when you remember installing software, you need to accept the agreement. And my mom would be like, well, hold up, I got to read it. I'm like, it's simple. Either you want to use it or you don't. There's no reason to read it. So you either check yes or find something else. That That's kind of how it is with Google. Which Microsoft has some strong contenders out there now. Microsoft is picking up. But anyway, my beef. Google keeps coming out with some cool stuff. And then they get rid of it. And in the past, they used to be like, well, that, you know, that was cool. I used it. And that's sad. It's gone now. Killing Inbox. (laughs) I feel like they ripped my heart out and fucking stomped on it on the ground. I love Inbox. It it is great. It, It really helps organize my emails and it's got a good flow. And when I started going back to Gmail, I'm like, what the fuck did you guys do? How is Inbox so amazing? And Gmail, now this glob of shit. It's very confusing. And and sometimes it takes a lot for me to be confused and other times not. But usually if you're transitioning, it should be smooth. Now I'm back with Gmail. I'm starting to get the hang of it again. But fuck, It, it seems too noisy to me. And I believe there's another app coming out here shortly that, um, there it is. Mm. Apple app that they're going to release for Android that uh, should be similar to Inbox. But I don't want to install more stuff on my phone. I, I hate having doubles of things. I think Samsung probably has a killer product. But they butcher the shit out of Android and then they add their own apps on top of what the other apps are where I think it should be your decision. Streamline the phone. Here's three simple things or four simple things that you get when you get it and put on the apps that you like instead of check out our email program or this email program. And then not everybody's on the same sheet of music. And then when I try to help some people with certain apps or whatever, they're using this hunk of shit that really they should be using something else. But but I understand companies need to make money in any way. But I don't think Samsung needs to do that. I think they can have a streamline their kind of own Android like uh, OnePlus does, and uh, make it streamlined. Because that's what people want. We don't need all this chaos. 
There, I just went. So my, yep, I'm mad. Inbox is gone. Fucking thanks, Google. Put me back into Gmail. What email programs do you like to use? Let me know. I'm curious. It'd be cool to know. I like looking at new stuff, too. Also helps me when I do tech support for people. That might fall under tech talk. Maybe. Possibly. Because, you know, good fucking buy. I'm hurt. <laughs> Google hurt and getting rid of Hangouts? What the fuck? Gotta find other shit. I don't like Slack. Slack drives me crazy. That's another two, That's a whole nother topic. What you probably came for is, what the fuck is in your coffee cup this week, Pat? So check this out. I I have seen these at the stores, and I've seen ads for them. Four two coffee shots, and they didn't have just straight up black. Which I, I'm usually not, you know, add the cream and all that to stuff. I just want straight up black. But they did have a Hershey's chocolate latte. So I'm like, you know, let me try this four two coffee shot. Check this out too. It's organic. Yeah, I don't see. Is Hershey's chocolate? Anyway, don't matter. I pulled the lid off this thing underneath. It says, put me in coach. I got a good laugh. I like, you know, corny stuff like that. Kind of like Snapple when you lift the lid over and it had a thing on it. But anyway, or some beers and all that. But yep, pulled it off. Peel that back. I'm sorry, you can't be part of this. You know, there's really no smell to it other than coffee. Put me in coach. That's where we were at. Pull that back. I I chug half of this thing because, oh, what is it? kind of ruining the story here for you and like it's two ounces so i probably just chugged back an ounce holy shit <laughs> i see these in my future people hershey's chocolate latte by four two coffee uh no they did not pay for this this is just me talking about them thank you i got no ads for you this if if you like chocolate and coffee go pick one of those up Check them out. It's probably at most of your grocery places. Also, 42coffee.com. Tons more to choose from, and they kind of break things down and tell you. It's got 200 milligrams of coffee. I don't know if I'd drink it warm. It's really good cold, but, you know. Yeah, you can buy all kinds of packs and everything. There you go. That's what's in my cup. Plus, on the other side of my desk, got a little death wish going. Because, and you're probably like, Pat, you shouldn't do that much. Shut up. It's what I do. Let's break on over to some history. This is not a letter from my great-grandfather, but something written about the SS Samuel Parker and getting her Gallant Ship Award and some of the things she's been through and all that. So sit back, enjoy, or stand up and go run a marathon, listening and enjoy. But here you go. History Hour with Patrick. Warshipping Administration, Washington. Release on presentation, Monday, April 9th, 4.15 p.m. I believe the year is 1944. The SS Samuel Parker today became the first American merchant vessel to be sighted as gallant ship when Vice Admiral Emery S. Land, United States Navy, retired 
War Shipping Administration awarded her a plaque for distinguished service under innumerable enemy attacks while delivering supplies to our invasion forces in the North African and Sicily campaign. The gallant ship award authorized by Presidential Executive Order is presented to merchant ships by the War Shipping Administration for outstanding action under attack or for gallant action in maritime distress or other emergencies at sea. The bronze and wood plaque was designed by the famous sculptor Joe Davidson and will be mounted in a conspicuous place on the ship. In addition, the master and each member of his crew aboard ship during this voyage will be awarded a green and gray ribbon bar with a silver seahorse device superimposed. Each member of the U.S. Navy Armed Guard crew aboard the time will also receive the ribbon bar award. Captain Elmer J. Stull of Seattle, Washington, master of the Samuel Parker during the period she earned her award, now commands another ship, one which took part in the light invasion. He is now in San Francisco and Admiral Land has sent him the following message of congratulation. I regret that you cannot be here to share personally in the honor of having the Samuel Parker, the ship of which you were the distinguished master, receive the first gallant ship's plaque and citation. The nation you and your crew so courageously served by delivering the goods to our fighting fronts honors you today and I personally want to say, well done. For six months of 1943, the Samuel Parker, a Liberty ship, shuttled among Mediterranean ports with troops and every kind of military supplies. Often unloading her cargo within the sound of front-line shooting, the Samuel Parker, named after a missionary explorer, not only repulsed a constant air attack, but was also harassed by mines, flaming gasoline from exploding ships, bombs, and torpedoes. Her hull and superstructure were pierced by more than 140 holes, and she bore many other battle scars. Three distinguished service medals have already been presented to men of the Samuel Parker. One went to Captain Stull for his leadership, seamanship, and cool courage in the face of many dangers. The others were presented to N.K. Storkerson, chief officer of Portland, Oregon, and to Fred A. Anderson, able seaman from Amite, Louisiana, who together defied almost certain death to descend unhesitantly into one hold with a fire hose and extinguish an ammunition fire. After the all-clear had sounded, though flames still covered the water, a terrific explosion from a nearby ship knocked the crew of the Samuel Parker flat and started two fires, which were finally brought under control. The Samuel Parker made her way outside the inferno of the harbor and sailed for Alexandria, Egypt, carrying 280 prisoners of war. From Alexandria back to Tripoli, the convoy was attacked by wave after wave of planes. Several ships were sunk. But the Samuel Parker escaped with her cargo of blockbusters and aviation gasoline. She then moved on to Sfax in Tunisia, arriving in time to help celebrate the capture of Tunis and Bezeret. Next, she was sent back to Alexandria and loaded for the big push across the Mediterranean. Captain Stull's next report on the Samuel Parker began. Guess you'd better take another ship off the shelf. I've just about used this one up. He was reporting on the invasion of Sicily. He had anchored off the Syracuse beach inside of Mount Etna, 20 minutes after dropping anchor on July 13. His ship was greeted by the first of a long series of air raids, some of which destroyed ships on either side of her and scored near misses on herself. By 1 o'clock in the morning of July 15, she had pumped 8,000 rounds of ammunition up at the enemy from her own guns. But she was not through. A few hours later, a stick of bombs dropped across the Samuel Parker's bow, one bomb miraculously passing through a chalk without exploding until it hit the water below. Though it enlarged the chalk considerably, in another five minutes a plane had laid another line of bombs at right angles to the ship, missing by only 40 feet. On July 22nd, when only four ships remained in the harbor to be unloaded, several direct hits inflicted the greatest damage to the Samuel Parker. Several fires were started. Two men were killed, others injured. It was at this point that Chief Mate Storkinson 
and Abel Seaman Anderson, with unflinching bravery, subdued ammunition and gasoline fires. When the all-clear sounded again, Captain Stull counted 125 holes of various sizes in the Samuel Parker's hull, plating, and other 22 holes in her superstructure and fittings. But after some of the holes had been plugged, the gallant ship heaved up her anchor for Malta, Tripoli, Algiers, and back to the United States, and she is still in service. She was built by the Oregon Shipbuilding Corporation and launched November 7, 1942. She is operated by the American Mail. List of the members from the merchant crew of the SS Samuel Parker from November 17, 1942 to August 28, 1943. You can read that list online. Links will be in the description. Read by Patrick Danforth. If you missed any of the other ones, you can check those out. I'll have a link in my website, whatthepat.com. Just go into podcasts and you can hear more of those letters and everything. Uh, Instead of just listening to my podcast and get bits and pieces, then you just get straight up letter. There you go. Music, I won't leave you hanging this week. Left you hanging last week, but you probably didn't even know I left you hanging because I didn't even bring it up. But I just started re-listening to... Jonathan Tyler and the Northern Lights, Pardon Me is the album, and Gypsy Woman was one of the songs that got me into them. Check it out. Link, of course, will be in the notes. There's your music for the week. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. Episode 19, coming to a close. Goodbye, teens. We're moving to adulthood. We don't have to move to adulthood because there is no book on adulthood. Even though I think there might be a book on adulthood. Who cares? (laughs) I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Enjoy all the feedback I'm getting. Don't mean to bang you in the head with this, but you can leave reviews on iTunes. I don't think you can on Google Music. And uh, probably other places, CastBox and all that, I think you can leave reviews. But iTunes helps because it moves me up the chain and gets, you know, people out there who want to be like, Oh, what the Pat? What is what the Pat? Pat don't even know what the Pat is. He just knows this is the end of episode 19. Email again, whatthepatpodcast at gmail.com. And now I'm going to roll on out of here peacefully. Thanks for listening. Rest in peace, Molly.